Well, all right, here we are back again for episode 18 of On the Bench with Beaks. I am your host that eats the toast, Cody Beekman. I'm also joined by Keats, where's the pleats, Xanders? Keats, say hi. <laughs> where's the pleats, huh? Hey, what's going on, guys? And I'm also joined by Rossery Glossary Mormeyer. <laughs> How you doing, guys? And then we've got, I think I can, I think I can, you Daniel Beatty. What's going on, Daniel? <laughs> You know it, you know it, I'm here to show it. <laughs> oh, beautiful. And today we are joined by a special guest, Todd Sawatsky. Todd, say what's up to the fine people in the world. Hey, boys, how you guys doing? Not bad, not bad. Thanks not for joining us, man. Oh, no, thank you for the invite. This is uh, this is going to be fun. Well, sweet, man. And if you guys don't know, uh, Todd uh, is uh, an appraiser and worked at the Hockey Hall of Fame. So uh, before we get into him, let's get into uh, what we're going to be talking about today. We've got... We've got training camp starting. Training camp, gentlemen. Whoop, whoop. Next yes. step. Yep. Yes. Next step. Right. TV. Crazy. Even a TV schedule. We've got. We've got times. We've got dates. We've got everything you want to think. Put in your day. PTO at work now, boys. Oh, yeah, absolutely girls. for real. <laughs> and then I mean, yeah, we got uh, players opting out, obviously, and uh, to, uh, and uh, the Ted Lindsay Award finalists were actually announced just not too long ago so we'll get into that and we're gonna talk around oh yeah of course (laughs) (laughs) and yeah we've got a we've got a little interview with todd so let's get into it with hockey day in history and uh todd if you've uh ever listened to the show at all um Ah, no thank you for the uh you know the first entry here oh yeah absolutely today today um it's a bit of a weird one uh, we have the California Steels officially moved to Cleveland and became the Cleveland Barons back in 1976. Oh, wow. I love you That's already, awesome. Todd. Juicy history. That's great. <laughs> oh, guys. You, you know, I mean, you know, even as the Cleveland Barons, they only lasted two seasons before they technically merged with the Minnesota North Stars, which, mm-hmm. of course, became the Dallas Stars and, well, yeah, um, there's there's a lot of um, a lot of stuff going on with that team. <laughs> a lot of movement, definitely a lot of movement. Oh, yeah. But I mean, hey, we uh, it's uh, it's it's an NHL franchise now, so you know the one thing that exactly. I'll... So so somehow some way um, the Cleveland Barons eventually did win a cup, um, but <laughs> that's kind of crazy because well they technically folded; they just merged with another franchise. Yeah, well, yeah, right. <laughs> Don't tell those Cleveland Baron fans that. Oh, no, absolutely not. Well, they never showed up to begin with. Hence, two years of utility. Uh, <laughs> Man, yeah. I mean, it was worse than uh, even my Thrashers, which became the Jets. So, I mean, think of it that way. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that's a roundabout way of looking at it. And by the way, Todd, I, I've got some love for you today. I'm I'm repping my blue Winnipeg Jets jersey for you. Oh, very good. I am wearing a Jets jersey myself today, too. Oh, what a surprise there. See, I told you I loved him. I'm asking him what he's wearing already. Oh, my God. (laughs) All right, let's uh, move on here. (laughs) All right, all right, uh, Ross, what do you got for hockey? We got a wardrobe set, so. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. pants required or non required, I don't know. (laughs) Not required. Okay, there you go. Well, um, today, yeah, especially with that tattoo there, Ross. Oh God, yeah, 
No, <laughs> we're not even going to get into that. But that that was an interesting time yesterday, that's for sure. But uh, I'm going with July 16th, 1990. Um, the St. Louis Blues signed free agent defenseman Scott Stevens. All right, there you go. That's actually really well, surprising. Oh, yeah. That's really surprising that you would even pick that one. You're going Russ. down the route well, with on that one. And I'm even wearing my Blues Korea jersey, too. And I picked that. Wow. <laughs> All right, Daniel, what do you got for Hockey Hall of Fame, Hockey Hall Day in History? I always fuck that hockey up. Hockey Hall of Fame of History. Yeah, Hockey Hall of Fame <laughs> of History. Well, uh, I got a few causes close to my heart. And uh, one of them is uh, Dog Nation because they do a lot with the inclusivity and diversity. And I, I love what they're doing. And uh, whoop, whoop. today is no exception. The Los Angeles Kings are taking another step in that direction. So I thought I'd say today marks a day in history because they're joining up with other sports teams in the California area and doing nice. an inclusion inclusion initiative and uh they put um Blake Bolden in charge of that who became NHL's first black female scout when she was hired by the Kings about 6 months ago and basically she's going to start helping um not just talk for the king's voice but the um anaheim ducks the la galaxy other sports teams in the a la area and california area that are part of this larger um alliance they're called the alliance los angeles it's a collaboration of all 11 pro sports teams in the area that has a five-star five-year commitment to drive investment and work towards social justice through sports so I'm really, I'm really happy that this is happening today, and I'm looking forward to seeing what happens from it moving forward. Oh, that's incredible. I mean, you know, we've talked about the, you know, Hockey Diversity Alliance, and yep. we brought in all that hazing stuff, so that's, mm -hmm. uh, that's a hu another huge step in the right direction, oh, yeah. I would think. Oh, yeah. Big skate yeah, strides there. All right, Keith, what do you got for Hockey Day? All right, guys, we are going to July 17th of uh, 2001. Uh, we got Carolina Hurricanes signed free agent goaltender Tom Barrasso, 17-year uh, NHL veteran. Uh, and then I don't know if remember he actually sat, sat out that 2000-2001 season, and then he got picked up. I think he ended up playing a couple more seasons, uh, and that was the end of him. But he was obviously mainly known as a Pittsburgh goalie. Robo-Pens, yeah. oh, yeah. Pittsburgh goalie. Exactly. Yep, yeah. that's right. And then also, and as far as I know, he's still the only guy that went straight from high school in the NHL, right? That's That is cool. He was the first. He oh, was the first. Yeah. Wow. That's nuts. Yep. That's 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 beautiful. that's trivia right there, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, real. that's yeah. trivia within trivia. <laughs> yeah, you should have saved that and got back at me for all the I, times I've like twisted your brain. But I know, man. You know how I feel about the damn trivia. I suck at them. Every, so. <laughs> every time I say I've got trivia, his eyes just like look up. To Here we go. <laughs> now that we're gonna be filming these videos, we're gonna be like, ah, oh, great. Yeah, you're gonna get the actual like look of Keith's de defeat on his face. Well, and if you did that with Todd on right now. It, I'm, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Todd. You've just got books on just 
hockey just knowledge basically from what you and I have talked about. I, I got a lot of useless information. Yeah, and that which too. I guess for everybody that's not me, it's useless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he would probably just be like you with like most of our hockey trivia questions. Well, I mean, I, even, even part of um, I, I just love the history of the game. So mm-hmm. I know and and I and what's crazy is I know hockey historians personally, and I know nothing compared to. Them. <laughs> oh, so, oh really? Hell no. hell no. Yeah, I know it's crazy. <laughs> All right, well I'm gonna round out this hockey day in history with uh, this little juicy nugget. Uh, July sixteenth, nineteen sixty five. Former NHL right winger Claude Lemieux was born in Buckingham, Quebec. Lemieux played in the NHL. 1983-1984 through 2002-2003 with the Montreal Canadiens, New Jersey, the Colorado Avalanche, Phoenix, and Dallas. Woo! There you go. Good old Pappy. You gotta love him. Something like, I'm sure, a couple hundred goals, a few hundred assists, and then two of Chris Draper's teeth right yeah, there on exactly. his whole <laughs> face. <laughs> Dude. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, that was quite the check, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the check heard round the world, for yeah, sure. No, that I can't believe how much that just decimated him. Like, I mean, and just the way that he hit him, too. It was just like, oh, uh, it, God. I mean, I'm an Avs fan, and I, I'm going to say right now, that was just like such Bush League. Oh, it yeah. was a that was, Bush League hit, man. I, if anyone ever asks me about that rivalry, I just show that picture, and I'm like, that... That's it. That, that summarizes what this was like for a few years between those two teams. Oh. Can we go back to that? <laughs> He's an agent now, right? I, I think so, yeah. Yep. Actually, you're right. He does, is, yeah. All right, so check this out. We've got, I mean, like I said before, we've got training camp starting on Monday. So we are actually in the midst of hockey coming back. That's huge. And... We do have a few uh, players that actually opted out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, there were. Uh, there wasn't too many of them, were there? There were five in a coach, as far as I've seen. And, okay. Uh, and I think Max Domi is actually on the uh, on the fence right now. The uh, the the players that were ag- that actually opted out was actually Mike Mike Kitchen, a Florida coach, Travis Hamonick in Calgary, Mike Green in Edmonton, Stephen Camper in Boston. Sven Barchi in Vancouver and Roman Polak in Dallas. Okay. All right. So um, the the reason why I want to bring this up is just because I've I've been seeing a lot like these players have been getting like uh, from what I've seen at least you know on these like uh, trash talking NHL uh, Facebooks and stuff like they're just trashing these players for opting out, which uh, to me is it's I it's kind of classless. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you 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 guys have. I th- agree with that. Yeah, they, yeah. they they have no idea what like what their home life is if if they're living with somebody who's easily susceptible to the uh to you know any sort of backlash. Yeah. yeah. That so I mean to go out and trash a guy, you know, just because he's actually thinking about his future or his family's future is it's I I I I can't stand for it and uh, I think it's nah, I don't know, it's just gross, man. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, well like like even take um uh, you know Boston's uh player there Camper. Um his both his wife as well as his daughter has um like actually have a heart defect. So if COVID would hit them, um 
to say it could adverse them uh, or be negative. Oh, that would just be travesty if that happened. How, how negative it would affect them would be insane. Oh yeah. So, um, you know, you you have to take you have to take priorities. Um, you know, a couple of the guys like Berchi, he wasn't playing much with Vancouver. You know what? Why why get injured if you're not going to play anyway? Um, Mike Green's a bit of an interesting one to me. Yeah, um, yeah, because he he was looking to get out but of Vancouver. He also had that serious MCL injury, so maybe he's not recovered enough to even play. True. So, Try, trying to give himself more time is what you're saying, Don. That's yeah, kind of smart yeah. too, in the sense. Yeah, I think my biggest surprise is Ham, um, but I also know family is very close to him. Uh, even when he was leaving the island, um, he. You know, he really wanted to take family considerations and really wanted to go out west. He's actually a Manitoba boy. Um, he had some uh, family hardship even growing up, and I can understand why at the same time he, he doesn't want to take chances. Yeah, I mean, uh, the family is going to be a big thing with it. I, it. I mean, it's clear that that's, that's what's, uh, like, one of the main determining factors for a lot of these guys. What do you guys think? What else? No, I was I was going to say the same thing. I, the family is a big factor, and, and most – obviously there's articles out right now, uh, you know, of the players that um, opted out. Um, and if you read some of them, there's very detailed – like every player, you know, has actually, like, given a reason why they're, why they're not doing it. And, and a lot of it is like, yeah, my, my daughter, my son, they, they're high risk, you know, or like – uh, Dodd mentioned, you know, my wife has a heart defect and things, so it's a, so it's you you can't blame them for it. No, I, I I feel like you know even say if we were in their shoes right now, if we played for a team, we probably would have done the same thing if we were in a situation like that. Would at least so, have to think about it for sure. Absolutely. But yeah, no, just the fans the way that they're treating like you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't. That's just ridiculous as you said it's classless Cody I yeah. just can't believe that they're yeah giving that kind of flack to him I mean I mean just this the fact that you can't just say I'm opting out but you also have to then give a detailed explanation as to why yeah. shows that we don't accept just your I, I'm not respect man your quick answer right Burks of Burks of being a celebrity man yeah. I mean that's just unfortunately that's how it is and We've been making family sacrifices for these players of making family sacrifices and family. It's a family thing. Like your parents drive you to rink as a kid. Your, your, your parent, your wife or your kids understand that you're away from the team on road trips. And now you're asking people to go into a bubble and maybe it's like, you know, I have a career besides this one year and I have to think about my family long term or, Actually, everyone in my family is totally cool with this. I'm not cool with this because it's not like the CBA is a unanimous decision and return to play is like everyone has to be okay with this for it to move forward. Right. There can be players out there that are just not comfortable with the situation despite all of its extreme measures taken, and we need to respect that as well. And um, maybe they can use their family as a scapegoat, and maybe they can't, but let's just remind ourselves that we should be respectful of these people's decisions because 
we don't skate in their skates. We don't walk a mile in their shoes. There's other factors of their lives that are private from us that we don't know about and shouldn't that affect these people's decisions and we should respect that so yeah always continue to keep the human factor in something yep. like this which i mean it's pretty easy you know especially from a fan's point of view you know all you look up to these guys you like you see them as you know almost giants and you it's it is easy to lose sight of that human uh the hum, humanitarian side of it you yep. know and but i mean to i mean to go after a guy just because they're you know for whatever reason is just it's it's kind of sick but i mean uh luckily we haven't had a lot of people that are opting out so that's also good to see mm-hmm. is that uh it's it's kind of nice to see that we we are watching a sport that like uh the players want to be there you mm-hmm. know they want to be playing for a cup and they they know the repercussions or the possible repercussions and yet they're still out there you know i you know i want to win a cup you know so. No, absolutely. And then, I mean, they, they gave uh, slight percentages or whatnot of the voting. It was like 80% for, you know. Okay. That's uh, good to know. Yeah. So there was obviously more that wanted to go in and play than people that opted out. Another thing about the players that did opt out, um, besides like Green and, I mean, who else? There weren't like. Hamannick, Camfer, Alsner, Berge, and Pollock. Uh, to me, Hamannick is the biggest. If yeah, because maker out of the whole bunch, right? Um, but not to say that makes Calgary. Um, I wouldn't say that makes them a worse team in, in any way, shape, or form. It's just it's a different dynamic, right? Agreed. And, and that's where I was going to jump into. Like, it's funny to me how like these people are jumping out and talking smack and stuff. Some of these guys, and no offense, but some of these guys probably would have not even probably played two minutes maybe that's part of the reason they're opting out too exactly so what's you know what's you know because a lot of those guys you read like you know they're like ahlers or whatever you know they get called up here and there um like i said if it was like a mckinnon or something like okay that's different but again oh i mean think about how i mean if somebody like mckinnon or crosby were to opt out you think about like the fan base is going crazy then yep plus you have i think reports out of pittsburgh right now that there's i think six players that didn't go to training camp because they're being held out because they were like two degrees of separation away from being someone exposed I to covid nine. so yeah you're right yeah, yeah so it's it's getting up there and they you know that's personal information integrity at stake so it's like we're not going to know who those nine players are but Maybe well, like there's even, even the uh, the way they're reporting it right now for any player that does not show up to practice and or a game, uh, they it's league mandate. The only thing they're allowed to say is they are quote unquote unfit to play. Okay. So that doesn't mean they have a virus. That doesn't mean they have you know they you know they may have the virus. They may have a broken foot, but they are unfit to play. Cool. So and th- that's gonna be a. a a real head scratcher come time when uh, things start getting serious here. So we have upper body injury. Yeah. And basically unfit to play to, to, to discuss. To awesome. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. As, as, as mysterious as the NHL is always going to be. Well, 
and also oh, didn't. Oh, yeah, especially with their concussion track record, for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, and didn't also uh, Corey Crawford also That's speaking of, yeah. But... Or, uh, there's Alsner as well as, oh, what's his name? From Chicago again. Oh, uh, Corey Crawford. Corey Crawford, yeah, I was know. deemed unfit to play. Yeah. Well, Crawford's different, but there's one of the one of the Chicago players um, who won't be returning this season because he's still dealing with concussion symptoms. So. Oh wow. Um, yeah, I haven't heard anything about that yet, but uh, it, uh, it, uh, one eventually it'll squeak out. It's just uh, a whole other layer to winning this Stanley Cup, eh? You know, oh, yeah. like yeah. I'm starting to really appreciate what they mean by this is, or at least the people that say no, this is the toughest claim uh, cup to win because it's like, yeah, it's the toughest like sports trophy to win like out of all of them basically. And it just got tougher, yeah. I think. All well, right, yeah, you add you add four new teams that were, yeah, well actually no more than that eight new teams that weren't even eligible. <laughs> yeah. And now they have a chance at the cup. I mean, it's going to get dirty. Oh, yeah. Well, and everybody's pretty much healthy for the most part, too. You're getting key cogs back in every single team. So it's it's going to be real interesting, as we've always, as we've already said. So, Well, yeah, you know, you got those uh, oddball teams. Like, also, I, I've been saying it till I'm uh, blue in the face. Like, the New York Rangers were coming on, man. They got that goalie tandem down with the Shesterkin and, uh, oh, geez, now I've been out of it. For, oh, Georgiev. Georgiev, of course. Uh, and, I mean, you know, you've even got uh, King. This guy even, named Henrik. Yeah, Henrik Lundqvist. Who, who's that or whatever? But, I mean, yeah, you got teams that are going to be chomping at the bit. Like, they, they definitely have a reprieve. So, it'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. All right, so check this out. Uh, we, uh, we finally got our Ted Lindsay. Uh, finalist and if you guys don't know Ted Lindsay is reward, uh, awarded to the most outstanding player voted by all of his peers yep so, so the players yeah so uh, this year's Ted Lindsay finalists are Nathan McKinnon Artemi Panarin and Leon Dreisaitl obviously right all right I'm gonna gauge I'm gonna gauge the room I'm gonna start with you Todd Todd um I got it. This is a two-parter. All right. So, out of the three, who do you think you're gonna win? And do you have maybe a, a dark, uh, like a dark horse that you could have seen also up there? Uh, for me, I think hands down, it's gonna be Drysital. Um, I, to me, I, I would think that if he doesn't win that game, it would probably be more of a shock than the people lofting out. Truth be told. Yeah. Um, there is a dark horse and you know you know there's there's a lot of merit to what um, Panarin did but um, to me it's McKinnon just due to um, how he uh, how he's basically stick handled that team with all the adversity they faced right absolutely while still being a top producer in the league so that's true all right, so who who's gonna win it? Drysidle, McKinnon, or Panarin? Me, it's Drysidle, hands down. Right on. <laughs> all right, all right, Ross. What do you think, bud? I mean, I love me some kid dynamite, some Nathan McKinnon, but I'm with Todd on this one, hands down. The German Gretzky has basically been on fire 
And I'm so glad I picked him up on my uh, fantasy <laughs> just because of that. But still just watching him as we've sat here in the laboratory, as we call it now. And you, and you can, well, you can't even think, too. I mean, there were still 12 games left in the season. Oh, yeah. But he would just, yeah, get three assists or three, and three goals in one game. It's like, where did this guy come from? The, what the hell? The perks of playing with Connor McDavid. What about you, Daniel? What do you think? I'm just going to say my piece and let you guys get out of the way so you can talk about how Nathan McKinnon is supposed to win this, but it's tricidal for me. I, it's pretty cool to see like this cool tandem forming out of Edmonton. We've got like the Yager uh, Lemieux, the Malkin Crosby. Now we got the Drysidle McDavid. We got yeah. the Korea Solani. You know yeah. that I'm I'm excited that this is happening for Edmonton right now. And, and I'm die. I'm just gonna say this stuff because like I'm a I'm a stats guy enough to know that there's certain stats you should mention when you're talking about a really caliber player and. I like when they compare these stats relative to the league overall. And Panarin being nominated solidifies and justifies the amount of money that guy got paid last year in the offseason, and he's doing a fantastic job in New York. And, like, you know, that GM, I think it's sad. Is Sather still the GM there? But he gets to justify – okay, thank you. He gets to justify being like, this was part of this rebuild plan we started two or three years ago. But – Dreisaitl led the league with 110 points. Uh, he ranked first in centers in points per game with 1.55, assists and power play points with 44. First among forwards in ice time, tied David Pasternak for most game-winning goals and second in even strength points That's and power nuts. play goals, and had 33 multi-point games including at least one point in 56 of 71 games. Edmonton's in the playoffs. They're not even, you know, like he he did a lot with McDavid, but that guy is ranking among the top forwards or players in the league in its significant categories. So oh, yeah. that's my point. I think that that guy, it's his to lose. I'd be shocked if he didn't. And congratulations to him, man. Like, he deserves well, it. Well, for me, even with McDavid, he was even injured there for a while. Yep. Yeah, that's a big thing, too. And, and, and instead of the team folding, they kept right on, tra- mm-hmm. right on track. They they never lost a beat, and it was all because of dry silence. Well, yeah, you got so um, many. You got it, so it many. shows you how good he is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, when, when McDavid went down, it's like, oh, well, there goes the uh, the Edmonton Oilers. They're, uh, you, without McDavid, they're they're pretty much useless now. And then here you go, got dry sidle just driving this force. That just kept tr- chugging. So yeah, I, I see where you, I see where you're out there, Todd. Look out, Chicago. Yeah. Right. Uh, what about you, Keats? I mean, everyone's obviously talking about Drysaddle, and I agree with you guys. The the man is a beast, and obviously Daniel just brought all the stats and stuff. But again, you know, living in Colorado, you, you gotta you gotta go for your for your team's guy, which is obviously McKinnon. Uh, McKinnon's a guy, dude. He's just a solid dude. Um, you, he, he's, he's positive he constantly improves i mean within the last three years he gets a minimum of 35 goals 90 points within the last three years so that's he's just 
Oh, he's there. Well, you know what I mean? So good. Man. And he can shoot at top speed, too, and get that thing right and where he wants it And didn't he put Dreisaitl and McDavid out of the playoffs last year? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so it just you can just count on the guy, you know what I mean? He's just so good. Um, other than that, you know, a, a cool wolf, you know, which I'm just going to mention it, is he would be the second guy in the franchise history that gets it. You know, yep. the only guy was Sackick, I believe, 2000-2001. Yep. Yes. Um, so that would be another cool aspect to it too. But um, even though I, we all probably know it's going to be dry saddle, I'm still I'm, I'm still shooting for McKinnon. And uh, here's my reasoning on it. You know, um, obviously for Artemi Panarin, that's a great tip of the hat. I mean, uh, obviously there were big questions coming in that season about if he was going to perform mm-hmm. for the Rangers, and, and it shows that he has. And the only uh, the only thing that really kind of sets the two like Nathan McKinnon and Leon Drysaddle apart is I mean at times yes Leon Drysaddle did have a Connor McDavid on his line this this year especially this year I mean Nathan McKinnon did it all by himself I mean several times there uh, Miko Rantanen Gabe Landeskog. All of their, all of uh, Colorado's big line guys were hurt for a long time, mm-hmm. and McKinnon did not fa- uh, falter at all. So, mm-hmm. if if I, I mean, so and I mean, yes, obviously McDavid was hurt too, but I mean, he's also got got uh, uh, you know he's he's got other uh, big line guys that are playing with him. I mean, even Nugent Hopkins uh, stepped up when uh, McDavid was hurt. Yeah, you know, and so uh, that that's the that. To me, that's like the only difference between uh, Drysaddle and McKinnon is that McKinnon for a while was a one-man band up there. Mm. Yeah, you know, I mean, because even that, I mean, Burakovsky got hurt, Kadri got hurt, yeah. all of our almost all of our second line guys were hurt at the same time, and yet here's here's McKinnon just blazing a trail, still not 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 showing slowing down. I think what is this year? He only skipped one game, right? Yep. Yeah, so far. Well, actually, he was uh, hurt the last two games. Was it? Okay. okay. Yeah, because, yeah, he had something with it. He got a slap shot off the His hands were too hot from his stick means. For real. Sniper. Jesus. And, I mean, uh, I mean, uh, granted, uh, Kale McCarr had a lot to do with uh, Nathan McKinnon's success as well, but he's on the back end. You're not seeing each other that, that often. Plus, we're not talking about Avalanche, like, how far will they make it into this year's playoff run, like, probably where the conversation should stop about Edmonton. We're talking about Colorado being like, so are they going to win the cup this year? Because they didn't get them into the playoffs, or McKinnon didn't get them into the playoffs. These guys are for, like, real, man. Well, yeah, and that's that's a huge thing that uh, Joe Joe Sackick shirred up is the depth, which, which came in handy so much this season oh yeah yeah but i mean you're you're talking about how mckinnon put the team on the back but also saying depth but i'm saying like dude this team's stacked when it needs to be but that guy can just like he took them from being okay maybe they're in the playoffs and maybe they'll get far like okay boys yeah oh and he wants to take next less money on his next contract because he's a competitive player all right here we go and he wants to win with this group that's huge that's like one of the biggest like how many times do you see a superstar guy saying oh i'll take even less money to win with these guys yep right you know got the team right now let's go and do it so uh, that's the only reason why i'm going to say nathan mckinnon over leon dry 
the Nova Scotia Gretzky? No, I can't even say that. No, you can't. <laughs> Too many talent coming out of Nova Scotia these days. Well, you can't fault your reasoning. Um, you know what? And they wouldn't, all three of them wouldn't be there if they didn't have reasons to be there. So. Oh, yeah. Um, you know what? There's there there's a vote for a reason. <laughs> True. Right. It's not a one-man show. No, that is 100% true. So, yeah, I guess we'll see. I mean, it'll definitely be interesting go, going into the playoffs and seeing how all I'm, three I'm of these. I'm kind of curious to see what the Hart um, uh, nominees are going to be. Because that almost, in, in a way, I respect more the Ted Lindsay reward than the Hart. Because the, the Hart is actually awarded by the uh, the media, not by the players themselves. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, because you always have these weird outliers, you know, that, uh, you know, the year that Aginla, for example, lost the heart to Jose Theodore from Montreal at the time. And granted, Theodore had a good year, but, you know, Aginla was the best player in the league that year, period. <laughs> so, I mean, it, 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 you I wish he would have these weird one-offs. I wish he had a good year with us. Hey, you know, that first year wasn't bad, but, I mean, it was just nearing the end of his rope, you know. So, I mean, it was cool to see him in a Nav's jersey, though. Yeah. Never thought that would Todd, happen. Todd, do you ever worry or wonder, like I did living in Vancouver for many years, like maybe those West Coast teams don't get as much love as they should from the media because the games are on later and they don't stay up as late to watch them and look at the well, box actually, score after? I, I 100% agree with that. Yes. Um, to me, a couple of the outliers, and 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 it, there there are a couple of different awards that got awarded at different times, um, and they were West Coast teams that uh, kind of fell off the rails there. Um, to me, there was the the final year that a very good goaltender Martin Brodeur won the Vesna. In my opinion, it should have gone to uh, Nabokov that season, mm. the Sharks. Because Nabokov was out friggin' standing. Like, he was lights out, uh, did everything they could, um, you know, maybe outside of playoff success. And uh, he was just amazing. And another one that really sticked out to me is uh, one of the uh, failures to get uh, Scott Niedermeyer uh, when he was still with Anaheim on the North. Nah, and, that's uh, true. I would you know, agree. You know, I, I would definitely 100%. say, or from what I see, um, even just living in Canada, let's not even think about the NHL, there is an East Coast bias. Um, because technically over 50% of the population is, is, is east of Manitoba. I grew up in Manitoba, so I consider myself a West Coast, or not a West Coast, because I was nowhere near a coast. I was very landlocked. But um, I consider myself a Western boy. And just to see, you know, even the attention when you watch a TV, you know, the nickname for TSN was called the Toronto Sports Network. You know, it wasn't the Sports Network, it was the Toronto Sports Network. Because even when you're watching a game, nothing to do with Toronto, they would bring it up. It's like, well, who cares? I'm not watching that. Right. You know, you want to talk about the Leafs? Do you know, let's talk about it during the Leafs game. Otherwise, screw off. <laughs> yeah. I like that. It, I, I'm glad you answered that question the way I wanted you to because I agree with you. <laughs> but I, I, I feel well, like... And I also have a bit of bias because I did, I did start loving the Canucks there for yeah, a while. Yeah, there you go, because, buddy. Uh, 
because you know when the Manitoba moose oh uh, sure merged merged with the AHL when the IHL folded yeah uh, they were the farm team so I got to see guys like Corey Schneider early Kevin Bieksa yep Milan Hedberg, maybe. I, I saw Luke Bourdon and Michael Grabner and guys like that starting off in the, you know, before they made the NHL, and it, it was good hockey. I always felt like Drew Doughty got, like, his Norris a year late or Anze Kopitar maybe a Selkie a year late, but it was like, oh, crap, we oh. messed up last year, and now, yeah, you're right. Now we have to give it to him this year kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm. you know? so <laughs> Well... All right, let's uh let's start getting into a little bit of Todd Sawatsky's life. Let's do. Sawatsky, yeah, there you go. Remember that, Ross? Sawatsky. Sawatsky. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Uh, you know what? Borders are open for me, so I'm heading, I'm heading right there, big boy. I'll be there in a second. Well, cool. I mean, let's uh, let's start from the beginning. You know, let's uh, you know, and like a little, like short little spiel about yourself. You know, your background. You know, kind of how you got into hockey. Yeah, let's let's drop let's drop it like little. What what was little Todd like? Where did little Todd grow up? What was his family like? Little and how did little Todd get into the hockey scene well, and all that? Well, somehow, some way. Um, Odd has been part of my name the whole life, and that's kind of how I've lived the rest of my life. So, um, you know, there's always an oddness about it, however way you look at it. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I grew up in uh, southeastern Manitoba. Um, I grew up about half hour, 45 minutes outside of Winnipeg. Um, uh, Literally on a hog farm uh, outside the community known as Landmark. Manitoba. So um, Landmark's big claim to fame was they were the, uh, as according to their sign, the most centrally located village in Canada. <laughs> Based upon the latitude, they were dead friggin' center of Canada. Latitude and longitude. was known as the 96ers because it was the 96th parallel. <laughs> <laughs> the epicenter um, of Canada. Me, I played... When I played hockey, it was the Landmark Blues. Um, why they called them the Blues, I don't know. There was no music in school. There wasn't any of this crap. Uh, uh, a small uh, community with a Mennonite background. So, uh, you know, all around us were a bunch of French communities. So that's where you'd get your blues once you got old enough. But you couldn't get <laughs> in town. And, uh, but, and yeah, so... Um, I, you know, I started off playing defense, and then uh, when I was about 12, I got moved to forward because we merged with a couple of um, a couple of age groups. Basically, if you signed up for hockey, you made the team. That's how big the town was. Um, and, what was it like uh, playing with those kids from the 95th parallel? Was it hard? The 95th. Well, we we didn't. I don't know if we hit the 95th. <laughs> Maybe we hit the 95th and three quarters. Was there any like uh, Cody Banks situation going on where it was like we're redrawing? You know, like, the... you know it it was weird. You had, I, I guess, especially in um, southern Manitoba, you got your English speaking and you got your French speaking communities, and there was always a rivalry between the French and the English. Nice. So, um, no way. You know, us English, we always refer to them as frogs. So you know we, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know that's just the way it was. Mm-hmm. You know, it was the, uh, a lot of teams were known as the Habs. Go figure. 
and <laughs> we had some great battles um, against them. I, I I recall the first time I ever got checked from behind was from a French, you know, in a French community. <laughs> and he but didn't apologize, also, right? <laughs> no, there was no. Uh, well, was I was injured, so I, oh, you know, I have no idea. Um, uh, but we also had a really large. Um, geographical area that we played so it's not like we played in a city um you know there was a couple of communities where we played in native reserves we played in or you know well in canada we like to call them indigenous now but uh, the native native reserves um and uh, you know so there was there was always this weird dynamic um when when playing um uh, you know, even at my best, I would say is when I did become forward, I was a third-line player on a three-line team, and there wasn't enough players to have four lines. So um, I can't say I was great, but I enjoyed the game. I loved the game. And uh, it was that simple for me. And, uh, of course, the while playing hockey, I started getting into it. Um, for me, uh, it kind of drove into collecting hockey cards even before the big fad of the early 90s i started collecting um, nice and uh while the big fad was going on i was definitely collecting and i i tailed off for a bit before i started up again and somehow i still collect today over 30 years later and uh, for me that was a way um the hockey cards was kind of me having a piece of the game that I love to watch um, and when I had so much especially especially the early 90s stuff when you have 20 of one card all of a sudden I'd get some of those cards autographed so then all of a sudden well now now this is unique now this is different so it kind of spurred on more of a memorabilia collect pop of that so um, I started collecting a lot of autographs the autographs led to getting jerseys, um, have sticks. Uh, well, you know, at first it started off just regular jerseys, then a couple of game used. Um, I got signed sticks, and I also have some game used sticks. Um, I have lots of photos, like nobody's business. I have more pucks than most. Um, I think I have over 500 pucks in my collection. Over half of them are signed. Um, and then I just have all these other random oddball items all over the place. Um, you know, just things that, I don't know. I, you know, even in the market and the collectibles, they call them oddballs. Um, so sometimes that means if it's a card, it's an oversized item. Um, it, it could be a unique item, like a one-off series or a one-off print. But um, even from there, I got historical items too. I got old uh, CCM photos from the 1930s, original CCM photos from the 1930s. Uh, wow. I have newspaper That's cool. clippings when the Chicago Blackhawks joined the NHL in the, the late 20s. Wow. Um, I have, uh, you know, cards dating back to the 30s, 40s, and 50s as well. So, I mean, let alone any of the, the new stuff that might come out. So, for me, for me, um, and, and I think autograph collecting helped me almost build my my history because every time I would try to get some autographs or try to find some old cards or whatever else, I would research the team or the player 
then I'd research their teams, and then all of a sudden you start seeing all the parallels and uh, everything else, and uh, you know, even being outside Winnipeg, WHA, monster history there. Yep. And it being one of the teams that merged in with the NHL when they had WHA folded, but the W or the Winnipeg Jets of the WHA were the best team in the league. Right. <laughs> Pretty much their their entire existence. They out, out of the uh, eight full seasons, uh, Winnipeg hit the Apple Cup Finals six times, um, won at four. You know, it, it it was crazy. So I mean. Included is that when Bobby one. Hall was on yeah, the team? Bobby was... Hall, yes. Bobby yeah. Hall uh, Bobby Hall was known as the Golden Jet before the right. Winnipeg Jets formed. Right. Um, uh, granted, there were uh, earlier uh, teams in Winnipeg known as the Jets. But yes, Bobby Hall was the first major signing out of the NHL. So they technically signed him to a $2 million contract. It was the most expensive. Thousand a year and a million dollar signing. It, yeah, that was the most expensive, that, right? Most players never made more than thirty-five thousand dollars. Right. So the WHA actually introduced, shall we call it, appropriate contract mm -hmm. for players that brought people to the stand. Yep. You know. Well, you know, well let's... how I dealt was making fifty thousand a year before when he left Detroit. You know, when he retired from the NHL, only to come out of retirement and, you know, be part of the Houston Astros. Mm -hmm. um, Houston Arrows. Yeah, true. Good, good point. Good correction. Yep. Um, Houston Arrows it is. Uh, of course, he ended up playing with the Suns because yep. the WHA yep. actually had rules in place that players as early as 16 could play professionally. Well, that's cool, man. Uh, it's... Which is why Gretzky played in the WHA before the NHL because yep. yeah. he actually at 17, not 16, 17. I still um, don't understand why like those cards aren't as valuable. I mean, I guess I can understand it if I think about it, but dude, like so, uh, having an Indianapolis Racers card of Wayne Gretzky, how is that not more like interesting or at least? Hey, this is the team he played for before his '79 rookie card on the Oilers. Yeah, but it's absolutely. only worth well, twenty bucks. It's like what? <laughs> well, well, see, that's different. The the Indianapolis cards out there came out well after the card. Like okay, well so they're like commemorating the it. Okay, that makes sense. So, so when 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 the early indie cards um, started showing up, it was probably already the '90s. Okay. So wow. they, they just wanted cards of him in his old uniform, where really it's because of when it was produced, it, it draws the, uh, the 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 value, not because he's in a different jersey. Yep. Um, you know, think Brett Hall with the Calgary Flames, and I'm sure all of you can think about that, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, probably yeah. don't even realize he played for them, but he yeah. was part of the big. He was part of the big trade that. Uh, helped the Flames technically win the Stanley Cup in 89. Of course, after the fact, the Flames wish they had him. <laughs> <laughs> Simply put. Hey, at least Lanny got his cup, though. That's right, man. Yeah. That mustache. Yeah. Woo. Oh, yep. Still the greatest in the NHL history. Best mustache in the biz, baby. I, I mean, I like how Lanny McDonald is an amazing player, but I went right to the mustache oh, as explaining oh, him. But awesome damn, guy. dude, that guy's awesome. I met him once when I was like 
just on Robson yeah, Street in Vancouver during the, the 2010 the Olympics, and like, that guy was awesome. It used to be the golden stash or, or the red stash, and now it's now it's white. But man, he's he's got a killer stash. He's actually um, chairman of the board yeah. Yeah, there we oh, go. Yeah. That's what I was going to say they next was like, hey, man, like, have you ever had a chance to talk to that guy? Because, um, well, yeah, let's yeah, actually let, let's move on to that. Uh, so how did you land a job at the Hockey Hall of Fame, man? Well, we told I moved from um, Manitoba to Ontario. I was looking for work. I got associated with a headhunting agency. I found a position that I thought had my skill set and uh my rep through the headhunting agency called me up. It's like, yep, they want to have an interview with you. Um, the way their site works is you don't know where you're applying to. Uh, that's all completely 100% blind. And then they said, yep, you're going to the Hockey Hall of Fame. I'm like, what? Oh, my like, God. Yeah, your interview's at the Hockey Hall of Fame. You know, like, okay. Um, I. Uh, Did you uh, know what it was for? <laughs> Um, actually, no, I did not. Um, uh, well, I mean, I, I work in, uh, I have an IT back, so I, um, I went in to be uh, an IT guy and I got the job in the long run. I was, I was a uh, final two for another company at the same time. Um, the one company decided not to, um, uh, not to offer me a, a position where the, uh, the hall of fame did so it was a very easy choice well yeah i mean come on it's it's this other Uh, job or hockey hall of fame years um absolutely awesome place to um absolutely awesome place to work um but i i kind of found out that if i really wanted to more advance in it you know it wasn't necessarily the job for me long term so I ended up finding a job a couple of years later and left um, on my own accord. But I left, um, you know, I left in a, a positive manner. Um, they sent me a good, you know, going away. Well, they, they gave me a hell of a going away present. Uh, they they uh, had a jersey custom made. Oh, nice. And everything. And um, like a Hockey Hall of Fame Legends jersey. Oh, cool. Made for me. So what kind of and stuff did you do around the hall? Uh, well, I did everything from desktop support, printer support, setting up displays. Um, uh, we're talking electronic displays. So um, are you the guy that's, know? like, making sure that I can't hack the system when I go to the hall and try to, like, get a perfect score on the simulator that allows me to, like, be a goalie and make um, saves well, and I can just know, walk really close to the camera? And <laughs> yeah, you'd have to do that yourself. I don't think you could get a perfect score unless you were really quick <laughs> on the drop. Um, but, um, like even when I was there, it's their resource center started up and the resource center is actually where 99% plus of all their artifacts are located. Oh, Um, so it moved from their location, uh, right downtown to, um, just outside of, uh, well, technically it's a suburb of Toronto, Etobicoke. Um, and it's actually technically in the same building where the Leafs practice out of the, um, well, at the time, they called it the MasterCard Center. I think they've changed naming rights again. Um, and uh, so I remember, you know, having to drag a bunch of computer equipment down there. And as I'm about to leave or get onto the elevator, you know, um, 
Mr. White Gloves himself, Bill, stops and he's like, hey, Todd, can you drag some stuff to the resource center? I'm like, yeah, sure, no problem. And he gives me this cart full of uh, artifacts, and that was in 2009 when Iserman got inducted. So I had all of Iserman's uh, uh, artifacts, jerseys, sticks, some other random stuff, stuck in my uh, old piece of crap crap wheel and uh drove it off to the <laughs> resource center so yeah you, you know there was some fun stories that came about with it for sure <laughs> yeah what else i mean I, obviously walking around the hall like what why, what was like the best part about you know just working there i obviously seeing all the incredible like hockey history and all that but i mean what were what were your uh highlights of just working there as for the highlights um to me, more of the highlights came with the stuff that weren't actually on display. You know, I'm I'm um, I'm a huge Yager fan, so I always loved his stuff. But um, do you have his that, original mullet? That would be interesting. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I, I wonder if when he finally cut it off, he should have just put it in a, a Ziploc bag and donated it to the hall. I mean, that, <laughs> that oh god, I I like legit <laughs> want to know like if people are be like, this is so and so's orange peel and you'll be like what the fuck like why oh, am no. i getting this todd wouldn't have gotten any work done because he would have made some shrine or something i feel out of it or something oh, exactly. like, <laughs> why all these scraps of hair all over the place can i yeah, can i can i put it on my head can i can i can i put it on my head please <laughs> okay so to bring us back you're a big yager fan and what's going on yeah no i'm a big yager fan of course so i always like seeing his stuff whenever you know and there's actually a fair amount of stuff there uh, I, I guess one thing a lot of people don't realize, the Hockey Hall of Fame is actually a charitable organization. So the stuff that they have and own has literally been given to them. Okay. Um, it is not something they purchase to put on display. You know, there might be some consignment items depending upon their exhibit, but, uh, uh, you know, that's all stuff that's been just handed to them for them to keep you know, in, in good safekeeping, so which is pretty pretty remarkable. Which, uh, which is of course why they have to charge as much for admission. <laughs> mm, that's true, but I mean, even when I came up yeah. there in 2017, was it? Yeah, um, just seeing all like the blood-soaked shirt, like jerseys and stuff like that. It it was just yeah, like, wait, what? And then you told me that factoid, Dodd. I was mine was blown. Like, seriously. Well, well, actually, how they preserve that stuff is they actually have freezers that they store it in. And they rotate them through a few different freezers because, um, you know, they'll freeze it. They'll bring it out. I guess you can say you can, you know, air it out a little bit. They'll put it back in the freezer and it'll eventually kill the bacteria. Uh, bacteria. But without doing that, um, you know, uh, the bacteria technically bacteria technically stays so um uh that that's how you know especially the old 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 school jerseys where they were literally made out of wool you know moths would get at them before they ever got handed to the hall oh yeah and, and stuff like that but um you know some of the stuff literally came off the players back and guess what if it stunk them it doesn't oh. take the smell away <laughs> well, uh, naive me. I just thought you used a shit little Lysol. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's that. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, yeah, I, I don't think they brought out the Febreze so much. Get that smell out of here. It will actually cause a, a chemical reaction. Which oh. Will cause, 
materials to deteriorate. So uh, they have to be careful with some of that. Yeah, it makes sense, actually. that uh, That's pretty cool. Uh, just huge freezers full of, uh, it, like, historical yeah, like hockey a lot, gear. A lot of frozen jerseys. <laughs> I, I just want to imagine that there's, like, a break room in the hall and, like, oh, yeah, I've got my tater tots in the oven and then there's, like, no oven mitts available. So you just grab this, like, game-worn. Like Gordy House. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, it's just, like, oh, I'll oh, just yeah. use this again. The... And, like, there's all these little, like, tidbit stories of people that work there, like, all these fans looking at things on display and it's, like, oh, yeah, that was used to take my tater tots out last week. <laughs> <and> that... yeah, <laughs> Good Lord. It's, like, oh, you know that stain? Yeah, uh... Yeah, I yeah. Just, I my that's authentic from last week's hockey <laughs> yeah, uh, that was, from hot dog. That, that's not off. that's not blood. That's ketchup. That was from my Timmy Hortons coffee or something. You know, it's a, it's an authentic grease stain from that pizza or something yeah. from Pizza Pizza right up yeah. the street. <laughs> so, is there anything like that where you're like, yeah, that's Eiserman's glove on display, but that last scuff mark on the bottom right, that's because I dropped it out of the bag on the way over. <laughs> Well, to to my knowledge, uh, that has not happened. Uh, that is, of course, to my knowledge, and only to my knowledge. Um, but you you do you know I have seen photos of quote unquote accidents, um, especially when it comes to the the traveling hardware. And uh, I guess part of the agreement is uh, uh, any damages that may incur is completely. Uh, you know, it definitely has to be paid up by the team. <laughs> so they, that, that's part of the sign off. <laughs> wow. But, but I have seen, I have seen a photo of the, uh, the, 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 the traveling cup, uh, not looking as round as it should. Right. <laughs> I mean, especially after. Well, especially after Washington's go with oh, it. I mean, my holy goodness. crap. <laughs> but that's the best thing about the Stanley Cup trophy, in my opinion, is that tradition that everyone gets a day with the cup and you hear these funny stories about how it's at the bottom of a swimming pool or Le- left on the side of the road. Yeah. And st- yeah. Yeah. What, wasn't that kind of like right around the Rangers era when they were just like, oh, we need to keep a little bit closer tabs on this, right? <laughs> I think I, I, I remember reading it somewhere. I, I You might be right. But, well, Todd will probably correct me because he knows Philly. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I just imagine there's probably characters on every team that are like, "I bet this has never been done before with the cup," <laughs> and then they try. Oh, my dad and I we were actually kind of joking around with that. Like that 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 cup's probably seen more pussy uh, well, yeah, than Ron know. Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! I about spit out my beer. <laughs> It's true, though. I mean, how many, like, uh, honestly, how many of those hockey players were like, all right, yeah, babe, we're going to have a threesome tonight, but it's with uh, Lord Stanley's Cup. I'm just saying, I, I, I'd probably Two do people, it. one cup. I'd probably do <laughs> I'm sorry, I'd do it. I would do uh, it. I, I mean... don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm like a pervert or something, but if I could have sex with the Stanley Cup, I think I'd probably do it. <laughs> Uh, did you did you well, get you got you that know, on that recording right, Keats? Oh, sure did. Oh, God. what's that, Todd? I'm sorry, I, uh, I missed that. <laughs> that would make handling it certainly more difficult. Sorry, <laughs> what's the yeah. white gloves for? Come yeah, on. yeah. Sorry, Phil. <laughs> sorry, well, Mr. Pritchard. Yeah. 
Sorry, Phil, but uh, I, I just had to. It had to be done. The dirty deed. Oh, Sorry, Phil Pritchard and my father. <laughs> oh, my God. It's all right. He's. Oh God, no. It's all right. He's got life gloves. He's gonna. He's gonna love hearing about this one when it, this goes live. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so. Um. So transitioning, I mean, wh- how'd you get into appraisals after, you know, uh, you uh, went? Well, well, truth be told, it's it's my hobby that got me there. Um, and and I, I can actually, uh, uh, the, the one person in general that probably got me into it is my, uh, my wife, Tiffany. Um, you know, I don't know how many times over the years people would just come to me and ask, hey, Todd, what's this worth? You know, what do you think this is worth? You know, do you think this is valuable? Blah, 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 blah. And then it just kind of got so repetitive. Then she's like, well, why don't you make a business out of it? Mm. Um, so um, uh, last year, I, uh, I, you know, I, I had looked into it a few times. I had uh, did a little bit of research, uh, found out about um, uh, a really uh, top-rate uh, organization known as the... Uh, Canadian Personal Properties Appraiser Group, and um, so I went in and took a course and got certified as a, uh, uh, so I guess my designation is a CPPA, and the Canadian Personal Property Appraiser, uh, so that does not necessarily, it singles me out to just be able to do memorabilia, I can technically appraise anything within inside a home, as opposed to the house itself. Wow. Um, but uh, because of my passion and love of the hobby, um, I am focusing on memorabilia first. Nice. And it's, uh, as, as a broad, so not just hockey, but baseball, basketball. I've actually done a NASCAR one, uh, appraiser, appraisal, should I say. Um, so it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a little different. It's, it's a lot more fun, you know, doing an appraiser, uh, being... Having the appraisal, I think Tiffany's kind of doing the appraisal. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm basically providing a legal document stating what I think something is worth, or I, a calculated valuation of uh, of an item, and uh, go from there. And then people pay me for my services to do that. That's so cool, man! And uh, you know, it it it's pretty cool to just be able to work with the stuff that really kind of carved out your love for the game anyways, you know, just like starting out by getting, uh, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. uh, well, hockey cards. Part, you never stop learning. Yeah. Uh, that's always you know, great. And, and I, guess even, even I, I still technically work in it as well. So that's another industry. You never stop learning. I, I, I think as soon as you close your mind off to something, um, and you want to stop learning, uh, no matter how big or small it can be, um, you're setting yourself up for failure. So, uh, to me, it's all about constantly just um, trying to have fun with it. So, I mean, I, I actually have a contract that's starting up this week that I'm looking forward to. From my understanding, I might see some 1960s game used equipment. Oh, so, oh you um, need to send me I pictures about that, bud. <laughs> oh, my God. And, and I will be taking photographs. So That's cool. The hall has been great. I've done a lot of work for them. Um, uh, my work for the hall has been pro bono for when it comes to appraisal work. Uh, so as awesome as it is to look up items from even the 20s and 30s and 
figuring out autograph values from the uh, you know guys that have long since been deceased. Um, you know, I didn't necessarily see it firsthand, so uh, uh, this this week will be a little different. Cool. I will actually see things firsthand. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, well, and also, Todd, between you and well, when you and I have talked, it's just like you and I when you started this appraisal company and everything like that is that I was just excited for you to just see all the different collections. That's the fun. That, that's what makes the industry fun. And uh, I know you've sent me some, uh, you know, questions on some jerseys from time to time. And what do you think? And then all of a sudden I think you realize, wait a minute, what did I get myself into here? <laughs> right. Well, and you can also you go. Know, I, I, I was expecting, hey, that's awesome. And then all of a sudden I start asking questions and you're like, and, and you could, I could just tell by your response. It's like, uh, I didn't think about that. Uh, well, I got to take that into consideration or, you know, and, and different little things like that. So, um, so actually that to me is also part of the fun too, because it's not to say it's, uh, me trying to showboat or anything like that. It's just like, you know, if this is something you want, you know, here's some things to think about before you make that investment because right. you know even if let's say i don't care if it's worth five bucks or fifty thousand dollars and and you have the budget to do it if it's something that you truly want um and you want to invest in it you want to be happy with that decision and, and, and that's where i think you know people are now coming to me and, and asking my professional opinion um by providing the documents that you know what this is my professional opinion as to what things or what your your collections are worth and it gives them uh information that they can now take it to an insurance company if they need it insured mm. if they want to sell it they know what ranges to sell the stuff from oh yeah um i don't take any like i i i am completely 100 percent unbiased on everything that i do Oh, so yeah. I, I do not get a single penny out of if someone sells something, I don't get a penny. And and that's not why I'm doing it. I'm doing it to provide them the education and the information that they need to move forward with uh, wanting to insure, sell, or, or keep their items. Which I found out when I got that uh, Beaupre and Niedermeyer jersey from the Grizzlies because, yeah, so, I don't know. It's a fun, it, it, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, it, can, it, can be, it can be a lot of work, but it, it is a lot of fun. Well, yeah, you never want to be that guy down the line. You know, you, you got this, oh, man, I got this signed by, you know, Wayne Gretzky. And then uh, somebody comes along one day like, oh, bud, that's a fake. You know, you don't want to be that kind of guy. And I think uh, what you're kind of doing is, uh, you know, that's really helping other people out in finding the right kind of stuff and, and providing that knowledge and information to people yeah. to make the right decision. Well, that's true. And, you know, a lot of people take a look at stuff, you know, and you can look at the shit that you see on eBay. And, and, and granted, I, I definitely like to go on eBay and I definitely have um, done my share of uh, d done my share of uh, you know, buying and selling on eBay. Uh, with eBay, I'm very selective of what I put out there. Um, the price that I put out there, I factor in everything. I factor in my shipping. I factor in how much um, 
how much work that I do on it. I factor in my, as long as I get my bottom dollar, I'm happy. Then I pull, I'll pull something on eBay. Right. Um, out of my own personal collection. That is, um, but I don't, I don't sell stuff on other people's behalf. I may be able to provide contacts to people if they are looking to move something, but then I do not want to be part of the conversation because right. that's right. to now the person that I'm providing the information to and, and the other person. And, uh, you know, if it looks like I am potentially getting a cut or, you know, integrity, providing an, an incorrect value just so it can be- benefit another party. I lose my reputation and I lose my business. Yeah, right. for sure. Um, I, I, I do take that very serious. You're one of the good ones out there, Todd. I'll tell you that right now, bud. Well, you have to be, you know, you, so, you, you can still be, you, can, you know, like my, like my namesake states, you can still be odd. You can still have fun and you can still enjoy what you're doing. But, uh, you know, it, you, you gotta, you gotta adhere to a, a certain code of ethics. And, uh, you know, if you, if you take yourself, uh, uh, you know, if you take everything uh, at, at the proper responsibility as it should be, then everything seems to fall into place. Beautiful, man. That's awesome. Um, well, I think that's about our time. But, hey, do, uh, Todd, thank you so much for coming on, man. It was a gas, like, hearing, hearing your story and everything else. Do you want to send any shout-outs or anything out there, bud? Um, well, um, you know what? Well, a thank you, all you guys for uh, for having me on today, um, and even being able to talk about um, the appraisal business. So if you do want to, if anyone does want to take a look, and uh, please feel free to uh, share it on uh, whatever post you have to Todd Sawatsky appraisals. Um, it may be a mouthful, and and it may sound strange coming out of Ross's mouth. Sawatsky, uh, I've got it. Sawatsky. <laughs> so, uh, piss wh- off. Where, I'm kidding. Uh, so, so my name is Todd Sawatsky. I am an appraiser, and I have, yeah, uh, conveniently created the business name Todd Sawatsky Appraisals. Oh, um, where'd you get that one? So, <laughs> if you want to look at it, and uh, uh, my Instagram handle. I know you've tagged me in the past with my jersey video. So, um, Todd Sawatsky Appraisals. All my information's on there as well. Um, so, uh, you know, thank you. Thank you so much for that. Um, I am, uh, I, you know, uh, you know, just, just you guys doing what you're doing, you know, it's great. I'm glad that you're getting the information out there for not only uh, a small business like my own, but for, you know, awesome comfort businesses like, you know, the dog foundation and, uh, you know, the local groups, uh, you know, within your area, um, and uh you know just just keep up the good work boys you know you guys are killing it we appreciate you todd oh thank you so much todd that means a lot but and you know we had a lot of fun talking talking appraising talking hockey you know having a couple jokes bud so thank you so much for coming on we'll also have oh, to... absolutely absolutely so i mean you guys know how to get a hold of me so if you, you want to talk shop at, uh, at any point fun or otherwise uh, you know how to you know how to find me now oh heck yeah <laughs> We'll have to get you and Dave uh, Stubbs out here for uh, uh, Montreal yeah, and a Winnipeg. The border open, you know? yeah. yeah, once the border opens, I'm getting Todd down here myself to appraise all my 
stuff I've got in my man cave. And well, once he comes out, we'll just set, we'll set out a whole week, and then we'll just kind of pay for his amenity. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You're going to be busy, but that's all I can yeah, say. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of like that uh, uh, who would Jesus draft? What would Todd do? <laughs> exactly. Uh, what would Todd appraise? <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I definitely Todd to appraise my Goldberg jersey. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's about as much as that meth rock. Worth it. Oh, to the it's fucking... worth three cheeseburgers. Yeah. <laughs> that's if he could stop them. <laughs> Sick. Well, otherwise... Um, Big news here is uh, On the Bench with Beaks is going to be covering the Dog Bowl 10 Dog Nation Hockey Foundation Ice Hockey Tournament from uh, uh, July 29th to August 2nd. We're going to have a lot of really cool stuff on our on our, uh, on our our YouTube, obviously on our podcast. So please go to our YouTube and our Vimeo and like and sub- subscribe. Uh, we're going to have a lot of really cool footage from all of that. It's a fun time. You're going to check out, a lo- uh, you know, some, some groovy hockey, you know, some silky footage. So please go like and subscribe our YouTube. And, uh, boys, you guys want to send some shout-outs before we – uh, sign off here well just to everybody listening i mean we wouldn't do this if it wasn't for you guys it i love doing this every single week so yeah i just want to say thanks for all the listeners thanks todd for coming on i really appreciate you bud and uh make sure to check out that youtube page hit that notification for new videos when they come out because we're now up to date with all episodes on On the Bench with Beaks, and Todd will be our next Jerseys on the Bench video going out. And uh, that way you guys get some like pretty sweet notifications when we're loading videos on there from the Dog Bowl that we're going to cover. So I really appreciate that. That'll be fun with like yeah. all the ex-NHLers and stuff we'll yeah, have. Yeah, lots of Bowl. interviews, lots of uh, maybe some live streams. Who knows? But it's going to be fun. So keep an eye out for that, Keats. What do you got to say, buddy? I'm in, yeah. So uh, you guys basically covered it. Yeah, please. We're really pushing this YouTube channel right now. So guys, if you have you know, a YouTube account, please press that subscribe button. We're really trying to get some more subscribers on there. And like Daniel mentioned before, we're, we're really pushing more videos out. Uh, pretty soon here, we're working really hard, or I should say Daniel's working really hard to get some live videos out. This will be our first live video episode so on YouTube. You so guys hi, gonna, everybody. <laughs> hey, you guys welcome, are gonna be, welcome to On the Bench. <laughs> right, you guys are going to be able to watch our ugly faces uh, on YouTube. <laughs> uh, Spilling beers, drinking, giggling. And again, yeah, um, Dog Bowl's coming up here in the next couple of weeks. Um, we're going to work really hard to get some cool videos out for that. And as well, we're, we're, we're trying to – we don't really – we haven't really talked about it yet, guys. There might be a chance we skip a Friday on podcast due to this Dog Bowl. Yeah. But we will do our best to maybe make some sort of a cool – um, audio podcast type of video together from the footage we get while we're on, out on the dog bowl. Yeah, so, I mean, heck. don't worry, we're gonna have some juicy stuff oh, after yeah. that. Well, hell, so. we could even do Facebook Live while we're there. Yeah. All that oh, good there's fun lots stuff. of stuff coming for sure. All yeah. right. Uh, uh, anyways, thank you everybody. Thank you, uh, thank you, Todd. Thank you, Dog Nation. Thank so you, awesome. My Beer Nation. Um, uh, and thank you to the listeners. Uh, Vihorsh. Till next time, guys. Thanks so much. Thank